Welcome to a fantastic word from Pastor Marcus Dunham, an associate pastor here at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We are so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Well, listen, are you guys ready to jump into the word today? Um, If you are joining us today, we have been going through a series uh, over the armor of God. And in our series, we have been looking at the armor of God, what it means, why it's important, and how we equip ourselves. And so a few things for us to know, uh, I'm going to go ahead and review just for a couple of minutes for those who haven't been here. But uh, we went through Ephesians chapter 6. And, and, and at the end of Ephesians chapter 6, which is the last chapter, uh, uh, Paul is writing to a church in Ephesus, and he is wanting to, them to understand a few things. But he gets to the armor of God and him wanting to, he, he's wanting them to understand a few things about the Christian faith. And he brings up the armor of God. And when he's talking about armor, he's writing to people who have a really good understanding of Roman, um, of, of a Roman soldier's armor. You see, because it was in Ephesus, it was brought to my attention this past week that in Ephesus, uh, the people there would have had a good idea of what it meant for a, for a Roman soldier to wear armor because they saw it all the time. There was actually a training facility in Ephesus where they would send their infantry to go through to be trained there in Ephesus. So they saw Roman soldiers coming in, they saw Roman soldiers sitting in, and they saw Roman soldiers leaving out every single week, every single month. It was something that was normal for a a person living in Ephesus. And so he's writing to people who have a good idea of what the Roman soldier armor looked like. And so when he is using this as imagery, it would make sense. And also, if we remember, Paul is writing from prison. He's on on house arrest. And as he is there, he is chained to a Roman soldier. And so as he is writing, he has a a continual picture of a soldier with Roman um, um, armor on. So you get the idea of imagery here as he's using the uh, uh, I'm a Roman soldier's armor to help get a better understanding of what Paul is wanting them to get across, or he, what Paul is wanting to get across. Excuse me. What he what he has what he's explaining to the church in Ephesus is he wants them to know and wants us to know that there is a spiritual battle that that is happening around us as Christians, as believers, and even just. Just period, there is a spiritual battle that is happening. And as Christians, it's important for us to be prepared for that battle. And, uh, and in order to be prepared for that battle, we have to put on the armor of God. And putting on the armor of God, Paul says, and the Word of God tells us, that it guards us and protects us from the, the, from the deceitful schemes of the devil as he is trying to, 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 to lure us away from God. And the Bible calls it wiles. And those wiles, he's talking about being, trying to trick us into 
pulling us away, of, trick us into walking away from God, into buying into sin. And so he's, he encourages them and reminds them that it's important for us to put on the armor of God. And he lets them know, and it's understood that, that, uh, that a Roman soldier, they didn't just put on the armor whenever the battle commenced. Whether they were in battle or not, they were prepared. They had their armor on at all times, prepared for when anything might come to pass. You know, they didn't know whenever they would need to be called into action, and so they were ready with their armor. And in the same way, Paul is encouraging us that before we leave the house, that we arm ourselves with the spiritual armor of God to protect us, to make sure that we can resist the devil when he comes our way. We have to put on the whole armor of God. And last week we talked about the belt of truth. We talked about how the belt of truth is so important because a belt held everything together. And when we put on a belt today, it's to, put, it's to hold our, 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 um, our outfit, our pants, you know, everything that we're wearing together. And in the same way for a Roman soldier, he put on a belt to help hold his armor together. And in the same way as a Christian, as believers, truth holds everything together because truth is absolute, meaning that it does not change. And at the end of the day, it is reality. Truth is reality. And the devil knows that he can't change the truth, but he knows that he can change your perspective of the truth. If he can get you to believe something different, if he can get you to believe something that is not true, then he knows that he can get what he wants accomplished. He knows that he can get into your life. And so it starts with truth. And truth comes from the word of God. And for us to embrace truth, for us to equip ourselves with truth, we have to engage the word of God. We have to confess the word of God over ourselves, and we have to stand on the word of God so that we can believe it in our hearts. Because when we know the truth, we will be set free from deception. The devil wants to deceive us, and so we have to know the truth. And knowing is not up here, it's in our hearts. So last week was the belt of truth, and this week, today, we are talking about the breastplate of righteousness. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 says this, Stand firm then with the breastplate of righteousness in place. So Paul again, is writing to Christians who lived in Ephesus who had a great idea. They had a visual picture that they saw all the time of armor. And they understood that a Roman soldier always had a breastplate on. In fact, that breastplate protected from the front and the back. And it was secured by what? The belt, the, a leather belt that they had on. That, that belt was important. It held it in place. But, but that, uh, that, that uh, a breastplate was like a bulletproof vest, like a police officer wears. You know, a police officer, when they go, when they go on duty, they, they don't have their, their, their bulletproof vest just sitting in the car. No, they have it equipped, and they're ready for duty. And in the same way, a, a Roman soldier was equipped with a breastplate ready for duty, ready for action. And it was meant to protect their vital organs. You know, it was meant to protect their lungs. 
It was meant to protect their stomach and everything in there. But the very most important of all of these was to protect their heart. Because an attack from the enemy, a strike to the heart would prove to be fatal, killing the soldier in battle. Therefore, they had that breastplate on at all times to protect them. Similarly, we as Christians have a breastplate as well that is necessary for us to wear. And it's one to be, it is meant to be worn at all times to protect us from the attack of the enemy. Now, we have to remember this is a, this is, this is a spiritual comparison. So we're, not, so we're talking about a spiritual breastplate that we're putting on. One that uh, protects us from spiritual attacks. And the attack that we're talking about is deceit. The devil uses deception to get into our life. And that breastplate is there to protect us like a Roman soldier's uh, breastplate. And just like the Roman soldier, it's also meant to protect our heart. It's important to protect our heart. You see, because the devil, he'll, he'll try to attack your family. He'll try to attack your marriage. He'll try to attack your finances. He'll try to manipulate your desires. He'll try to do all that, but it's not with the intention of simply hurting your marriage. He does want to hurt your marriage. He does want to hurt your family. He does want to hurt your finances. He does want to do those things, but there's a greater goal. You see, he wants to use those things in order to gain access to your heart with the sole purpose of leading your heart away from God. That's his ultimate goal, as he wants to get to your heart in order to lead it away from God. Which is why the Bible teaches us to guard our hearts. It's important that we guard our hearts because the Word of God also tells us that that the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can understand it? It's, it? It falls easily for deception. So we have to guard it. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. This is coming from King Solomon, who knew all too well about this very thing. You know, King Solomon, he was the richest man on earth. He was the wisest man on earth. And although he had all that wisdom, although he had all, that, all of those riches, his heart was led away from God. Because deception, the devil deceived him. He found his weak point, which was women. And he had thousands upon thousands of women. And they led his heart away from God to other idols. And he's writing this with the plea saying, guard your heart, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from, it froze the sp- for from it flows the springs of life. That springs of life, it's the idea that it's, it's our actual life, it's truly who we are. It flows from our heart. You know, decisions are made in our heart. In our mind, we come up with different possibilities, but at the end of the day, the decision is made in our heart. That decision is made there. And many times, if we're being honest, at the end of the day, you know, what, what we have decided in our heart to do, at the end of the day, that's what we're going to do. What we've already decided in our heart. 
Therefore, it is important for us to guard our hearts with all vigilance. And this is like a plea coming from Solomon. That is a picture, that word vigilance, it's a picture of a, of a guard who is watching over a prison cell at all times. That picture of watching over our heart and protecting our heart because it's easily led astray. And so we have to guard it. We have to guard it by putting on our breastplate. And that breastplate or that, or that bulletproof vest is called righteousness. We have to put on righteousness. So what is righteousness? I have two simple definitions, and they're both basically the same, but just saying it two different ways. I would say that righteousness, a simple, simply put, righteousness is the standard in which we please God. It is the standard in which we please God. Okay? So there's a standard that God has set. And remember, truth, truth is absolute. It doesn't change. And God's standard is based off the truth. And that truth, at the end of the day, is what we have to meet in order to please God. Now, there at times, especially the world, takes God's standard, lowers it, hits the mark, and believes that, hey, I'm a good person. And at times, if we're not careful, we'll lower that standard, hit the mark, and say, man, I am doing well. I am doing great. But it's not the same. It's not true righteousness. You know, it reminds me of the neighborhood basketball goal that I had in, you know, in, in my neighborhood growing up when I was in, you know, middle school, high school. You know, all of our friends, we'd all go to my friend's house and we'd all, you know, want to dunk. But it was too tall for us. I mean, you know, 10 feet, you know, I mean, we, you know, we were short. So what did we do? We lowered the goal. And, man, we were having all types of dunk contests, Zeb. I mean, we were over there, you know, just going behind the back, you know, doing this, you know, doing 360s between the leg, having dunk contests, dunking on each other. You know, I mean, we were just, ah, you know, just having a good time. But just because we were dunking on an eight-foot goal didn't mean that we were really good dunkers. Because when we went to a game, we realized, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, we, we knew for real that it wasn't 10 foot. But we weren't incredible dunkers because we were just dunking on eight foot. Because we had to lower the standard in order for us to be able to dunk the ball. It's not the same. Because when you raise it up to 10 foot, that's the standard. And so therefore, we weren't really true dunkers (laughs) as much as we wanted to enjoy it. In the same way, when we lower the standard... And we, tr- and, we, and we hit the mark, it's not true righteousness. You see, God has a perfect standard. That is called righteousness. So that's one definition. And then, a, a, then an even more simple definition is righteousness is right living. It's living right. Living right before God. And so righteousness is living a life that is right before God, accomplishing and hitting his standard because it's only by his standard that we can please God. Living righteously, by living righteously, we guard our hearts from attack 
from the attacks of the enemy like a breastplate. And living right before God guards, our, guards us from the devil successfully leading our hearts away from God. Remember, that's, that's his ultimate goal is to get in your heart and to lead it away from God, small steps at a time. Living right at the end of the day is living the way God wants us to live. It's thinking the way God wants us to think. It's, it's, it's spending our money the way that God wants us to spend our money. It's talking the way God wants us to talk. It's doing what God wants us to do. It's living according to the truth, living according to righteousness. The standard is not determined by culture. The standard is not determined by popular opinion or by societal pressure. That's not what the standard of righteousness, of good, is set by. It's only set by God himself. So, righteousness is the spiritual breastplate that we put on to guard our heart, to keep it from being led astray. I want you all to take out this scripture real fast. Proverbs chapter, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 6. It says this, righteousness guards him whose way is blameless. So the one who rocks right before the Lord does so because his heart is being guarded by righteousness. So righteousness guards our heart. But check out the second half of this scripture. It says, but sin overthrows the wicked. Righteousness guards our heart. Sin overthrows. So in, so in other words, if righteousness keeps the enemy out of your life, unrighteousness or sin opens the door and invites the enemy into your life. Righteousness guards our heart, but sin overthrows it. Remember the enemy, this is a spiritual battle, and he's looking for a way into your heart, looking for a way into your life, and righteousness guards it. It keeps it, and, and, and he has no way in. But he wants to deceive us to believing that it's not that big of a deal. And when we but sin opens that door, and it invites the enemy into our life. It's like when we have trash in our home or we have leftover food in our home, you know, it drops on the ground and it just stays there for a while. After a while, we start seeing ants. Next thing you know, we start seeing roaches. Ew. You know, it reminds me of my auntie's house when I lived in Kansas, okay? Um, we, I mean, I loved my auntie so much. I mean, I loved her so much. She's with Jesus today. But, man, we did not like going to her house. We could not stand going to her house. I mean, it was, she was a borderline hoarder, borderline. And so when you walked in, you could just smell. You could smell it. And you'd see things left over, and, and, and you can smell. It, it just the smells were so bad. But, you know, you would see ants and you would see roaches. You would hear Things crawling around in her home. Oh, it just, it, we hated going over there. And, you know, she would complain about the roaches, but we're kind of looking at her like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, there's a way you can get rid of that. If she get rid of the trash, then she would get rid of the source. 
It's the same true in our homes. You know, if, if there's ever a roach, it's a signal to me that there's something that was left out. There's something that, there's, there's some trash or some leftover food that I've got to find because if I get rid of the trash, if I get rid of the, of the old food, if I get rid of the source, then I get rid of the bugs. I get rid of the critters. And then the same is true in our life. Because remember, the source of those bugs is the trash. And it's actually an invitation for those. When, when they start smelling that trash, hey, hey, by the way, they just invited us to their home. And they just start telling each other and they just start making a way. They just march on in. And it's the same way with sin. Sin is like trash. It's an invitation for the enemy into your life. It's an invite. Unrighteousness, because demons, which by the way, this spiritual warfare tells us a few things. It tells us that heaven is real. It tells us that hell is real. It reminds us that God is real. It reminds us that the devil is real. And it reminds us that demons and their attack are real. And demons ride on the back of sin. When we invite sin in our life, we're, we're inviting demonic influence into our life as well. And if we want to get rid of the influence, we want to get rid of all the, the, the remnants of the things in our life that we're trying to get rid of, we have to get rid of the sin. We have to remove it from our life because we can go to God and ask him to deliver us. But until we get rid of the sinful lifestyle, we limit his ability to help us. Because sin is a, it is a, it is a lawful. We are giving the enemy a right into our life. It's a lawful right. He has the ability, he has the legal right into our life when we open up sin. Which is the, the, the high importance of righteousness in our life. Because when we have righteousness in our life, then we can keep the devil out. He has no way. He has no way into our life. This is why we must have righteousness. We must walk right before the Lord because it guards our heart from the devil having legal right into our life. And this is true righteousness that he's talking about. Only true righteousness can guard us from the enemy. You see, true righteousness is not living right before God on Sundays and Wednesdays. That's not true righteousness. True righteousness is a lifestyle that we live at all times. Because at the end of the day, you know, we can live that way and many people will believe that we are living right. But that doesn't fool God, and it doesn't fool the devil. He knows. He knows it's a spiritual battle, and only a spiritual armor will work, and that is true righteousness. Amen? So, what is true righteousness? Well, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to list two things. Two things about true righteousness. Number one, true righteousness is something that is put in us by God. It's a theological term called justification, okay? It is, it is something that is put in our life. It was put in you at salvation. 
If you have placed your faith in Jesus and you were born again, when at the moment that you were born again, the Word of God tells us that he put righteousness into your life. He put it inside of you. It, another theological term is it was imputed into. It, it's imputed. It is placed in your life. It's received. It comes. It's not your righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ. In other words, when, when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin any longer. He sees the righteousness of Christ because of the blood of Jesus that covers you. His blood washes you white as snow. So when God sees you, he doesn't see your dirt. He doesn't see your grime. He sees you white as snow. He sees you crispy clean, looking perfect before the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become, look at this, the righteousness of God. His His righteousness, because he took on our sin, we received his righteousness. So if you are a born-again believer, you have true righteousness that was already placed inside of you at when you were born again. You are righteous before the Lord. You have a right standing with God. You have been justified just as if I have never sinned. You are justified. So that's the first thing that we know about righteousness. The second thing to know about righteousness is that it is something that we put on. Righteousness is something that is put in by God, and righteousness is something that we put on by us. We also have to put on righteousness every day. While there is a position that we hold that is right with God, we we have righteousness in our heart, we also have to put it in or we have to put it on every single day. It's called sanctification. It's a theological term, and what it means is to be sanctified, to be cleansed, to be washed. It is something that we work out every day. We work out that righteousness. We put it on like a sweater. We put it on like a T-shirt. We put it on like a breastplate. We put on righteousness. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24 says, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We have to put on the new man. We have to put on righteousness. And when we put it on, it's like we are, we are preparing ourselves for the day. We do it before we leave the house and we walk it out throughout the day. We have to put on righteousness. So let us embrace true righteousness in our life and work it out every single day. And listen, you may be thinking to yourself, I don't know how to change. I don't know how I can change. I've tried and I've tried, but I just don't know how to do it. It happens when we simply allow Jesus to do the work. If we put on righteousness every single day, it's called sanctification for a reason. There's another term. You have justification, sanctification, and glorification. What that means is that one day we will be made perfect when Jesus comes to get us and we step into eternity. We will be made perfect, but until then, we're moving further away from who we used to be, and the goal is to move closer to who Jesus is. But that only happens if we put on righteousness. We have to put on righteousness every day. And that the process of sanctification 
slowly but surely begins to root out those old habits, those old sins, and we begin to walk in newness of life. We begin to walk in a new walk in the new man. If we keep putting on the new man every single day, slowly but surely we will begin to look like that new man. Amen? Amen. Well, just a few takeaways. Number one, guard your heart through true righteousness. True righteousness guards our heart from being led away, being led astray from God. True righteousness. And remember, it, it has to be true. Not one that we are, you know, righteousness cannot be man-made. It cannot be manufactured. It can only be produced by the Holy Spirit when we put on the Word of God. When we begin to walk out the Word, we have to put on true righteousness. Unrighteousness or sin gives the enemy legal right into our life. It opens the door for the enemy. It opens the door for those creepy critters to just walk into our home. Therefore, we have to live right before God to protect us from the attack of the enemy. Proverbs 3.5 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. And it, that brings so much clarity to that verse. Understanding every day that we put on righteousness, we trust in the Lord, trust in his word. Don't, don't believe what the world is saying. Don't say, oh, well, you know what, I'm being over-spiritual. There's no such thing as over-spiritual when it's the truth. The truth works. Well, let's guard our hearts through true righteousness. Number two, let us embrace the righteousness of Christ. Embrace it. Embrace your position. Embrace the truth that you are right before God because of what Jesus did on the cross. You received that righteousness when you were born again. We have to be born again. Without being saved, we have no chance. But being born again, Jesus gives us his righteousness and it's put on the inside of us. And when we understand, when we are walking right before the Lord, when we do sin, we go to God and we repent. And he creates in us a clean heart. And when the devil comes and he tries to accuse you and remind you of what you did, you can stand confident and know that, listen, I know I made a mistake, but I'm forgiven by Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus that covers me. And regardless of what you say, I am forgiven in the Lord. We are the righteousness of Christ. You are righteous before God. That is how he sees you. Let us embrace that truth. Embrace the fact that you are righteous because of what Jesus did in your life. And then thirdly, let us apply the righteousness of Christ. Let us guard our heart through true righteousness. Let us embrace the righteousness of Christ. And number three, let us apply the righteousness of Christ. Let us apply it. True righteousness has to be put on. We can't just rely on last week. We can't just rely on, we can't go between church services. But instead, we put on God's righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, which we find in the word of God, and we work it out. We walk it out. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
work out your salvation. We have to walk it out. We have to put on the new man every single day by going to the word of God and then by obeying. When we begin to walk it out, we begin to work it out, it, we, we begin to see the new man begin to take place in our life, in our attitudes. You know, righteousness is a wide range. It's not just what we do. It's also the motive behind, what we, the motive behind it. It's about how we think. It covers everything. The only way is if we allow the new man, the Holy Spirit, to do the work on the inside of us. We have to work out our salvation. We have to put it to work. Feed your spirit through the word of God and work it out by following his commands. And when we do that, we are putting on the breastplate of righteousness before we leave the house. Get in the word of God and then begin to apply it and obey it to guard our heart from the enemy leading us astray. Amen? Amen. Doing these things will keep the enemy from leading you away from God. Equipping yourself with righteousness will keep demons out of your life. So arm yourself with the breastplate of righteousness. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord God, for the word. We thank you for the truth. Lord, we thank you for the righteousness, God, that you place in our life. And Father, I pray, God, that today as we leave here, God, that we leave knowing the importance of righteousness the importance and how it guards our heart and protects us from, being, from, from the devil having free reign in our life. Lord God, I pray, God, that we would walk out righteousness in our life. God, that we would embrace the word and, God, that we would live it out every single day, Lord. Help us, God, to grab a hold of your word, God, to fall in love with the word of God. And, God, that we would continually apply it so that we can walk right before you, Father. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, say amen. Thanks again for joining us for this incredible word from Pastor Marcus Dunham. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastors and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.